Do not confuse this with treatment or mental health advice or direction. Nothing on this podcast is made to supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your mental health caretakers. Although David Kozlowski is a licensed marriage and family therapist, he is not functioning as a certified mental health professional in this environment. But same applies to any professionals who may appear on the Light the Fight podcast. Well, everyone, it's 2021, is it? Is that what it is? 2021? I was hoping you were going to like sing on the intro or something. Are you ho- you were hoping I was going to sing. Yeah, well, I was hoping you'd have I was like, gonna tell like 2021 s- song. Well, oddly, you say it because my New Year's resolution is to not sing off key anymore. And since I can't <laughs> sing on key, you guys, I'm out. It's no, a- more singing, no more singing for a day. I could rap. Technically, that's my loophole. Uh, I could rap. Because all of our loyal listeners know, I wanted to be a rapper growing up, a DJ, then a sushi chef, and none of those dreams came true. So here we are, Light the Fight podcast, talking about feelings again. And really getting in touch with your resolutions. Exactly. Well, Heidi and I have a very clear message to share with you guys. This could be the first time we had a clear message, because usually our message is kind of like, in the lost and found, but someone moved the lost and found. So we're looking all over for what were we going to say today? And, and then we end up going off on tangents and talk about something else. And no, really, today, we, this is kind of a big deal. You guys, you got it. Like, I know that, I know you guys are like running on the treadmill, you're folding laundry, you're doing dishes. You just might want to turn up the volume just a little bit more because what we're about to share is so, well, we need you. We need it. Well, you know what, Heidi, how can you never say, I know you guys are sitting on the couch watching TV, watching your husband husband's fold laundry, doing the dishes. You've never said that one. Is it because well, the likelihood is very slim? No, I think that <laughs> maybe men and women are both folding laundry. Okay, that's better. That's better. But, well, that's yeah. what happens in my house. I, I'm not the Ooh. laundry folder, actually. You got him working for the team. That's good. <laughs> Good job, Eric. What a good guy. All right. Well, as Heidi was saying, we got something. We're just going to jump into it. By the way, Heidi, real quick check-in. Holidays, thumbs up, thumbs down. You know what? It was, I actually had like a really good holiday season. And um, I'm going to tell you that it it's taken me a long time to say that, right? Because oh, no, yeah. everybody, I heard it. everybody knows when we talk about the holidays, I kind of talk about how much I hate it. Um, things, I, I, I don't know. I'm going to tell you that the stuff that we teach here on Light the Fight, the stuff that David teaches, the coaching that, that I've been, that I've had, I am, it has, it has helped me. It, I genuinely have found ways to process and to talk and to be present. And it was super, a super creative Christmas for me. And that's when, you know, that, that I'm, that I was feeling good. So I actually just wrote that in my memory. Plan. That's great. I actually really loved Christmas this year. And um, I didn't think I would ever 
be able to say that. So. Well, I'm giving you a big round of applause. Not that that was something that you intentionally set out to do, but yeah, I mean, I've, I've heard you over and over again and, and I get it. I mean, we won't have to get into all the details of it, but you know, everybody knows losing loved ones doesn't make the holidays easier. Yeah. And especially because Corey was your Christmas kid, right? He was your Christmas kid. Yeah. And so for you to be able to be creative this Christmas, that means that you had space inside of you, inside of your brain. Most people know that there's no such thing as people who aren't creative. There's people who are trapped. There's people who the walls are closing on. So therefore you can't create new ideas when you're just trying to survive. Well, and that's one of the things that I told you the earliest is that I couldn't access the creativity at all. And, um, healing and grieving is is weird but i know that even from the most difficult things healing is is possible healing can and does happen and and i think that doesn't take away <laughs> that doesn't take away any of the longing or the mem- the memories and wishing that it was different that's for sure well i I wish i wish i could give the person credit who um i can't remember who said this but uh talking about the whole entire you know when you're when you're get feeling healthier when you're grieved when you're properly grieving when you're actually going through it and it's working out well they, they said um they said when you get your creative juices back and you get that 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 mojo back it's a validation much like if you go on a vacation, you come back with a tan. Like you look at your body like, oh, I did something. Like this is a validation. <laughs> <laughs> I went somewhere. I did something. And so, you know, this is a great validation for you. And, and thanks for sharing that because I can't count how many times when I'd say, oh, so Heidi, what great uh, ideas you have for your craft during the Christmas. You're like, I got nothing. I got nothing. <laughs> like, I, like, I, got, I mean, obviously you would create great things, but in your mind, you're like, I got nothing. <laughs> nothing was coming just straight down the pipeline. It was forced. You know? I know. And you know, 2020 has served up a lot, oh, a lot to a lot, to a lot of us. And it hasn't been easy. Um, I've really just learned that there's just not, there's just no guarantees period. There's no guarantees and we got to be right where we are and honor where we are good or bad and and i think david one of the things that is the most important that that's helped me is finally being able to hold my mixed bag of emotions and and own it and allow myself to to have a mixed bag and it's taken me a long time. To so do does that mean? Does that mean you gently went around the house and stabbed all the balls like very calmly? Yeah, it's a calmly stab the balls. <laughs> You're like, I have a mixed bag. I'm allowed to stab balls without feeling every about it. every day wasn't wasn't perfect, and you know the stress. You should probably say for all of our new listeners, that's not like human <laughs> testicles we're referring to. Go back to one of our earlier episodes called "Don't Stab the Balls." Don't stab the balls. It was Heidi's yeah. one of Heidi's freak out moments where 
She literally went through the house and was like, threat, like start stabbing with a knife all the balls because her kids wouldn't start bounce, stop bouncing the ball. So I digress. Yeah. Anyway, thank well, you. Heidi, thank I'm, you I'm, 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 <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad to have you back. And when I say back, meaning better, because you can't go back to the person you were um, before you lost Corey and everything that you've been through. But you can come back a much better version of your old self. So I'm, I'm glad to have you back with all your creative juices flowing. So speaking of creative juices. Well, what about you really, really quickly? How was your Christmas? Hey, I got a new, a new Christmas Eve family tradition. We do sushi on Christmas Eve from now on out for the rest of my days. So that, that was great. That was great. Had great time we with did, the kids. We did Shabu Shabu on. Right on. Hey, there you go. So it was a Japanese vibes. Yeah, it was either making food all day and all night or just going to sushi. We opted for having someone else make it for us. So now it's our new family tradition. No, it was great. Uh, the kids had a great time. So I'm just glad my Christmas was great so I could help everybody else with their horrible holidays because holidays are when I'm I'm in full. That's my tax season, so to speak, as a tax guy. So, yeah, it went great. Thank you for asking. Now, let's just jump right into it because um, – uh, Heidi and I, uh, Heidi, why don't you just tell everybody, because obviously you posted about this, but let's just really tease us so everybody sees exactly why um, we're doing this and and spark some curiosity for people to come check it out. So I'm going to start out by saying that when, um, when Corey passed away, so we're coming up, um, it's, it's been about five and a half years since since we lost Corey. And, um, when that happened, I kind of was like, do I try to raise money? Do I try to found, find a foundation? Do I start a foundation? Do I start making t-shirts? Should I have a marathon? Should I make a hiking club? Should I, you know, make bumper stickers? I, I didn't know what to do. And I knew I wanted to do something because I wanted to talk about it. I wanted to help. And, and I think it's something that anybody who loses anybody for any reason, you, you cannot repress this desire to like change the world. Like this is unfair. This is stupid. Why, why is this happening? And so, you know, um, you see all these different organizations, foundations supporting all these different causes that I got to get in there. And I just, didn't feel like anything out there spoke to me. Honestly, I didn't. I think there's a lot of really good things out there. And and you did a lot of those things to some degree, but not like full all in. Well, I was I was wanting to research. I was wanting to get a feel. I I didn't I just didn't know. Right. And so then that's when I came to you. It was about two years after we lost Corey and we started doing some community speaking and started the podcast, which I thought I felt like to myself, you know, this is it. This is what I can do is help. My goal was to put a microphone on David because I knew the information he was sharing was needed and it wasn't out there readily available. And here's David spending hours and hours inside his office with people one-on-one. And I just somehow wanted that information to get out there. And I was like, okay, hey, David, write a book. And that, you know, that t- takes a long time. But I have to learn how to write. So that's the problem. <laughs> Continue. 
It's going to be an audio book. You know, then we're like, okay, let's do this workshop, which was an amazingly um, powerful experience for me personally. And then, you know, we started getting like, we're like, okay, we're going to go out and we're going to do events at schools and parent events. And so we started to line a bunch of stuff up and we did some and then kind of COVID hit and it was like, okay. Yeah. We had a bunch planned for this year. Until yeah. COVID. Yeah. And so, and then it's like, okay, well, weird. Still, I knew like, this is what I really believe in is information is education is like, I, I don't know how to say it except for that. When you start to learn, you want everyone to learn because you realize that you didn't know what you didn't know. And when you start learning these little things, it changes everything. Right? So Fast forward to um, David really talking about social health and David, for as long as I've known him, has wanted to have some type of curriculum that he could plug into schools. And I remember it. And if you've been a longtime listener, you remember David saying, nobody drops off their little kid at school on the first day and says, I just hope that he gets 100% on his math test. Even though, yeah, we want them to get 100% on their math test. But really, we just hope they're going to find a friend. We hope no one's going to pick up, pick on them. We hope they're not going to get bullied. We hope they're not going to bully someone else. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's what David has to worry about. But no. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, we've always talked about that it's this huge missing piece in our schools is teaching kids how to improve relationships. Right? And, um, okay, so fast forward to David um, starting off this school year in COVID, taking on a, a faculty position at Harriman High to pilot his own curriculum about social health. And mind you, Harriman High was kind of, I mean, they talked about Harriman High in the New York Times six years ago, five years ago. No, it was the epicenter. Four years. It was ago. Was Washington Post. Yeah, talked about Harriman being this wild these suicides, right? And and Harriman, I'm here in this community, and and we're asking ourselves these questions, right? And Harriman High had a a bunch of the numbers were not good, and the numbers of kids struggling were not good. And it, it rocked Harriman. And so they brought in um, a brand new administration with the specific call to action of getting a hold on this problem, right? Okay, so David's working, teaching at Harriman High. And I'm hearing rumblings from kids well, from parents of kids saying, this is pretty cool. I didn't know this. Starting to actually talk about stuff because they actually were given a language. They were actually told why they were thinking and feeling in some way. So, okay, so this is a high school who has taken mental health head on in their school because they had to. 
And by in the last three years, this administration has worked really hard to open this conversation. So it's not an overnight thing, right? But being bold enough as administrators to say, we're going to actually pilot a program. We're going to bring in and talk about suicide. We're going to, we're going to confront this and we're going to normalize this conversation. And the numbers are reflecting that. So literally the next day, um, I hear from a friend of mine that works for Orrin Hatch. Now, Orrin Hatch, of course, has retired, but is continuing his legacy through the Orrin Hatch Foundation. And they are big supporters of supporting mental the mental health crisis. Um, they've been working really hard with the, the new suicide prevention hotline, which is a three-digit number, and working to try to figure out what's next. So he reaches out to me and he says, you know, I know that you're involved because David and I actually met up with Senator Orrin Hatch. How long ago was that, David? Uh, about two and a half years ago. Two and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of have this connection and, he, and he's like, you know, what are your thoughts? And so I read him that text, the text I just read to you. And he's like, well, what do you think is going on? And I said, well, David's piloting a, a actual curriculum in that school. And he was like, no way. And he said, because they are working on what policies the, this Senator Orrin Hatch foundation, I guess it's not a Senator. I guess it'll always be a Senator. I don't know. Orrin Hatch foundation working on policy and legislation opportunities to try to open mental health um, education in high schools. That's what, that's where they're starting. Right. So I said, you know, wow, you need to talk to my friend, Dave. Um, this is a long intro for me to tell you that I don't think that there's a coincidence here that David and this curriculum is coming right now in 2020 that I got that text one day before I got the call to say, Hey, would you and David come and speak on this webinar and talk about this curriculum and why it's changing lives? So I'm going to let David tell you about this curriculum a little bit, but here's what I'm going to tell you, you guys, we need you listeners. We need your friends. We need your family members. We need your PTA presidents to get on this webinar because showing up will show that that people care, that, that people are interested and that they know that it's important. And, and so I'm going to let, I'm going to, I'm going to stop talking because I over talk and I, but here's the thing. I'm going to say this and then I'm going to let David talk. I don't usually try to 
take over everything. But what I'm saying is this is it. This is the thing that I'm ready to get involved in. This is what I'm ready to care about. This is the change that I think that I've been waiting for five years to decide this is, this is what I'm going to care about. This is the cause, the effect, the solution, the action item that we can actually like say, let's move this thing forward. Let's move the needle. Um, and, and it just, can I just tell you that it feels kind of good to know? <laughs> know what right. to do, right? So anyway, okay. Sorry, that was a little bit much, but I wanted you to know where I'm coming from because that's part of what makes this so amazing and important. No, I, I, I really appreciate everything you said. And, you know, I, I have to say that since this new administration took over at Harriman uh, last school year, um, you saw a lot of, I mean, they just made, they just made the decision that they were going to do whatever it took. And if, you know, the old saying, keep on doing what you've always done, you're going to get what you've always got. They're, they're smart and savvy enough to realize that they're going to have to think outside the box. And in my case, they definitely had to create a new box. And so, um, and this is no dis, uh, no disrespect to the prior administration because I didn't know the prior administration. You know, I, I, there's no way I can sit here and blame the prior administration at that school for the reason of the suicides. But the new administration, think about it. After you, you know, you know, you're you're well known for you know throughout the state and throughout the country for having so many suicides in one particular high school. Okay, you you tell everybody else that we're going to start over new, hire some new administration. I imagine that's not the easiest job posting. Hey, do you want to come over and take over the school that has struggled more than any other school? I mean, that's a brave venture that these people took on. This, These are some fearless people because what they were taking on were a whole lot of fears, worries, and a lot of blame, but also, too, a lot of people just not knowing what to do in the community as well. So well, I, I got to I think that the community was looking at the school saying, what are you guys going to do? Exactly. Like, think about it. And, and that's a hard position. If you're a principal or a vice principal out there and you're saying, hey, you know, I'm excited about this new job because the school has an opening, that'd be one thing. But to know that the school that has the opening comes with all that added pressure, it's it's already hard enough to be an administrator, let alone with that pressure. So they come in, they start changing things, doing different things. So, you know, my situation was just one of the things that they decided to do different. Mine was probably the most way outside the box because it was brand new. It had never been piloted at a different school. It's completely starting from the ground up. And so then, then when all this started happening and, and like Heidi gave you the story, um, now we're sitting here in this opportunity. And, and I love to tell people this because the reason why we're actually, I, I had the opportunity to do the curriculum at the school was because of a podcast Heidi and I did two years ago. It was in that podcast that I let you guys, our listeners, and just everyone out there listening, it just so happened to be some of the administration at the school listening. What I told them is, is I believe Heidi asked me a question like, David, like, what do you think do we need to do? Because Heidi teaches classes, right, in her profession. We were talking at, you know, at public, you know, public night uh, parent events. We we're talking at schools. 
And it was always worth taking like one or two simple tools and just teaching people these tools combined with Heidi's story and my experience. That was going really well, but Heidi, Heidi said, David, what do you think we need to do to help this mental health crisis? And I said, well, plain and simple, I'm a mental health professional. And the first thing we need to do is we need to brand, rebrand these problems. Because it is not right that in 2020 and now 2021, that we should have to be dealing with the stigmas of mental health and the legal red tape that people do not want to get involved with when it comes to mental health. Because we all know you can't put depression underneath an x-ray. You can't identify it like a cancer cell, right? So because of it being 2021, we all have this expectation that we should be able to just deal with the issues that really matter the most, and we shouldn't have to deal with the stigmas. I don't know why it is, even though there's a lot of great progress made in the stigmas of mental health. I mean, this has been 30 years. I, I, for some reason, people, some people, at least enough people, and I'm not discounting all my colleagues and people have done a great job in working on the stigmas because people talk more about suicide and those things more now than ever before. But for some reason, that word mental, it, it, it is helping. In fact, that's the reason why that's the reason why I can even have this conversation. People listen to this podcast because there's been progress made. But you know, when there's like incremental progress made over a long period of time, you need a big level up. There's got to be a huge jump. And what I found out throughout the years is that everything coming down the pipeline from from human psychology, from social psychology, was all pointing in one direction. If any of you guys are fans of Brene Brown out there. What she was researching on was shame, what she was borrowing from, you know, Dr. Matthew Lieberman and UCLA, all these different people were all their research was all pointing one direction. And it's a very simple thing. Life's all about relationships. And if you got better relationships, all the crap you're going through in life gets easier. So I've never heard anyone argue with me or Heidi or not agree with what I'm about to say. And this is how this is how when our complex problems are so like mind boggling, the solutions have to be really simple. So when all these years I was looking at mental health, mental health, I'm counseling, I'm a mental health professional, I'm counseling, I'm counseling. I'm seeing every single person, black, white, Asian, Jewish, an atheist, short, tall, rich, poor, every person that ever came to me, every person that ever worked with my colleagues, everyone that ever had issues and then started to make improvement on those issues all had one thing uniquely in common, the relationship with a parent, a friend, a coach, a teacher, all these relationships in their life, the most important relationships in their life, and combined with them improving the relationship with themselves. As those started to gel and work together, as they got help in those categories, they always were at the root of their success. Like that was the basis of every, because if you take a person that has something like bipolar, okay, a bipolar person can't find the right counselor on their, their own. They can't teach someone how to, how to help them with their bipolar. They need teachers, family, friends. They need people to do the work to figure it out. They need better relationships. And then just someone who goes through a breakup or someone is being bullied at school. They need someone to have their back. They need, they need to connect with people. And as we all figured out the hard way that our technology has given us great advantages to do work and all these other things, and it's made it so we don't really have to connect face-to-face -face and forge those long-lasting relationships like we used to have to before technology was around. So I had this crazy idea, which when I say crazy, I think it was just crazy, stupid, simple. 
after all these years I'm helping people, I'm like, what if we don't look at mental health and try to make it something that it's not? Because I'll tell you, mental health is how do we figure out the patterns that create people that have issues? We give labels and names to those issues so we can diagnose, we can treat, we can get paid for it. Mental health is not how to help people have better friends. Now, over years, mental health has learned that it's got to adapt and evolve to allow these types of treatments to come in to help people with their mental health. But this is not what mental health was originally designed for. Just like school was not originally designed for mental health curriculums. There's nowhere where it said, hey, you know, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, when we were thinking about how to you know, run high schools, someone says, you know, what? we need to teach depression, anxiety, and all these things. Because if we teach that, people will understand that everyone struggles with these things in one degree or another at some point in their life, and it'll help them relate, connect, and have better relationships. That was never, these are two separate things. Education and mental health treatment aren't in the same ballpark, By they stand alone. But now in today's world, educators are having to be part-time counselors. Educators, if you're spending eight hours a day with students and you're, I mean, you're the first line of defense, whether you signed up for that or not, you could build relationships with these kids. How many of you teachers out there or how many students out there, people out there listening to saying, if it wasn't for that one teacher, I would have never got it through high school or I would have never dealt with this. The teacher was teaching you science, but yet somehow you connect with them. They opened up, you open up them. Next thing you know, they're helping you with your self-confidence, with your self-worth. Those are the best teachers that got both of those. They got the education side and they got the connection side. So now we're realizing, wow, we really need people in education to kind of have both. I'm like, well, if we need our teachers to be part counselor and part educator, then why don't we take another hybrid version of the way we look at mental health and education? And right in the middle falls this unique thing called social health. Just so happens that all the research out there that I just got to them talking about that Brene Brown's quoted that. It's funny, the research has been out there for five, 10 years now, and it's sitting on digital shelves just collecting dust. All the research that talks about how human beings have evolved to become better, more successful, always comes down to one thing, their relationships. So this is how stupid simple this idea was. I'm like, why don't we start from K to 12 years old, K to 12th grade, teaching our young kids, giving them information, knowledge, and understanding about relationships, people, human beings, what makes one person. And I was just this example in research. We find out that girls at certain ages, if their families go through a divorce, they handle it differently the first year than boys do. Typically the odd thing about that is we all knew someone in, in, in grade school that was going through a divorce. Like, Oh, Susie's going through a divorce. Okay. Anyways, if we're learning in school, what people like Susie may be experiencing when our family's going through a divorce, we may see that and go, oh, that's normal. That's just something that happens. Maybe Susie needs a freaking hug. Maybe Susie needs someone that can be there for her. us as human beings. We intuitively know how to connect with each other, with each other. But if we're disconnected from face-to-face interaction just long enough, we don't develop how to read social cues. We don't know what it means when someone's saying, I need help in a really odd way. Last time I checked, people already had a hard time before smartphones came around connecting and reading each other. But you know what they got? Lots of practice. 
Our kids in today's world are blessed from the technology and they're cursed because they don't get the reps. They don't get the practice. And if you don't think that your kid, you know, if you think your kid is getting a lot of practice and face-to-face, go look at how many texts they sent this month. Go look at how much screen time they're using. I'm not here to say, get off screens, get off phones, get anything like that. I'm sitting here saying, man, that relationship you have with family, friends, peers, coaches, you know, teachers, technology, all these relationships, we have so much cool research and information. Why are we not giving this in a palatable form from K through 12 so that these kids are equipped with important independent life skills before they get out of high school? When you graduate with a high school diploma, you can graduate. Yeah, I passed math. I passed, passed this. And I learned how to build, maintain, and improve relationships in the most important vital categories in my life. Because if you try to go out in the real world and you try to get a job with, as the kids say, a boomer, and you're just 18 years old and you're like, uh, like, I don't want to have to work with this boomers. Boomers are so gross. Well, guess what? That boomer pays your paycheck. They sign that paycheck. How, how are you going to make money now if you don't know how to work with people that you have differences with, that you don't understand like where they're coming from? I mean, we got LGBTQ communities. We got people of different races and religions. All these people, that's what makes human beings so amazing is when everybody shares resources, shares information, shares ideas. We can't, and when I say we can't, it doesn't benefit our survival if we're not teaching kids at a young age how to connect and how to see similarities in one another and how to support each other. Because at the end of the day, hurt and pain is hurt and pain. Hurt and pain doesn't give a damn if what race you are. If you're poor, it sucks regardless what religion you are, right? If you lose a parent or a child to suicide, it sucks no matter what band you listen to. If it's, it's nonpartisan, doesn't matter if you're Republican or you know Democratic. That's why I believe social health is the rebranding, but it's actually more than just rebranding. It's the bridge because we're social creatures. And if we don't do well with relationships, guess what happens to all of our other problems in our life? They get 10 times worse and it makes our mental health become unstable. Our mental health is always fortified by something as simple as just having good relationships. And this is not rocket science. You don't have to be a counselor or a therapist. I didn't invent these truths. I didn't make human beings this way. I'm just looking and going, what if we all taught relationship building from kindergarten through 12th grade? Just so happens a school like Harriman said, you know what? We love how simple that is because we've tried everything complicated, big fancy words and big pamphlets and big slogans. Well, at the end of the day, how much time do our kids spend at school? A lot. How much time do they spend on their phones? A lot. How much time do we have to talk to our kids as parents? They spend time around with their peers. If they had better insight and understanding to what other human beings were going through and tools how to help them in relationships, perhaps that could be the leading cause to them having more fortified physical, mental, and emotional well-being. That's what that's what I'm all in on. And that's what basically Heidi just said is that we're putting all our eggs in this basket because this is something we have influence and control over. We can't control how people feel. We can't control always what people do, but when people have better information. And access to better resources, oh, now now there's a higher probability they're going to get through tough times. Well, nobody thinks they're broken because they need to improve a relationship, right? So if, if, if you're going to go into a class and talk about depression and anxiety and, and 
some of these mental illnesses, if you got to go, if you ask for help, you feel like you're broken. You, you know, like that's, that's, you want to call it the stigma. It, it's, that's the actuality. That's how you feel. It's a label. It's a, la- it's a label that was already given the, the assumption that something's wrong with you. Right. Right. Yes. It's implied. If, it's already implied. If you are in a situation where someone says, we're going to teach you how to have a better relationship. No one's like, Oh, I'm totally broken. No, they're like, yeah, I'm, I'm signing up for that. And me and, and all of us, you know, because, and, and, you know, you go back to the root of the root of the word relationship relate. We can all relate with needing, wanting better relationships because no matter how good relationships are, you can never, you never need less people. Heidi hates when I do stuff like this, but I always like to do these, like make people feel uncomfortable. Right. Heidi, like make you feel uncomfortable at times. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I'll I'll start off with a room. It could be like, let's say a hundred people in the room. I say, all right. Hi, my name is David. Raise your hand here. If uh, you struggle with mental health, there's silence immediately. Everybody just kind of looks at each other. Like there'll be like two breath. Two brave people have been in therapy for like, you know, 20 years. Yeah. Like, yeah. There'll be a couple of brave people like hey, me and they just own it. Right. Cause they've been right. there, done that. But everybody else kind of looking at each other. And even the people that like start to raise their hand, they're like, okay, there's not enough of us. Okay. I'm not raising my hand. Okay. Then I say, I go, okay, now raise your hand. If you've ever struggled with relationships, boyfriend, girlfriends, parents, bosses, anyone, everyone raises their hand. hand. I'm all about prop. When I say I, we all should be about What's the probability to have the conversation? How many parents are out there saying, how do I start a conversation to get my kids to give me information so I don't have to extract it and pull it out of them? Teachers, same way. How do we get people involved in the learning process so we don't have to shove it down their throats? Bosses, same thing. How do we get people to have ownership in the business without actually owning it and really give like a a lot of effort to what we're trying to achieve? This is no different. We all struggle past, present, or definitely we know in the future, tough relationships are always going to be on the menu. It doesn't matter. And, and if you got lots of money, well, then more money, more problems. You're going to have more issues with relationships if you got more money. You're, and everybody that out there has money knows it. Just because you get more money, also now you get a bunch of cousins coming out of the woodwork, you get a bunch of old friends hitting you up, right? So money, popularity, all these things do not give you freedom from relationship issues. This is an ongoing thing for life. And I mean, I don't know the history and maybe I should, maybe that's something I should learn. Like what was the history of somebody that said, Hey, I think there needs to be physical education in schools. Yeah. What was the interest? Who said, okay, we, we need to have gym class or we need to have the presidential fitness award or whatever I remember doing when I was in elementary, but. Or, or, Or what about the history of people saying, Hey, if you're pregnant, you probably shouldn't drink alcohol. Maybe we should tell them that on the label. Like these right. are some really vital, important things. It's called informed consent. When you say people are better off having this knowledge up front before they do this thing, that's the same thing as like a social curriculum. These kids are better off knowing more about relationships before they go out and do this thing called life or while but they're how, going through their developmental stages. How does this happen? Like, how does it happen that we go from where we are right now in 2021 with Suicide still a, a tremendously hot topic. Attempts of suicide, yeah. a, a real problem. High. How do we go? 
how do we go from here to actually making this happen? How, how do we get from no mental health, from not having this in schools to having it in schools? And, and this webinar is, it's early. It's, it's a beginning stage, right? Yeah. But if there's enough of us that register for a webinar like this and, and those people see the optics and they're like, oh, okay, we got a lot of people here that are interested in this. That's what, that's what we can do is we can show up. We well, can you just answered, I was saying you just answered your own question in part because I'd be lying to you if I sat here and say, here's what we do, even though it's never been done. Like, this is like fresh, brand new. Like, this isn't even a year old. Okay. Like, I, I'm, I'm, we're in the top, we're not even toddler stages of this yet. Right. So, what, like, what you just said, Heidi, is the first, the thing that we can do at this moment, like in the present, is the more people that show up this webinar, the more people that get the language. Everyone out there understands language is very important. The words we associate with something, just like I was using mental, right? For some reason, I don't know if it was the chicken or the egg, but that's become associated with crazy. Police officers, first responders, the high suicide rates. Well, what happens to them if they say, hey, I'm feeling suicidal? Do you think they go, oh, well, here, here's more bullets for your gun? No, they take that away from them. So there's such a stigma with, could I get in trouble? Could I lose trust? Could I lose um, clout? Could I lose my reputation if I have this unknown about me that people aren't sure about? So they're now not going to allow me to do my job, so on and so forth. With this whole entire thing that we're trying to do right now is that if we have people come to the webinar, people listen, just like they're listening to podcasts, and then they share this with their friends, go to the webinar, it puts more ears and more eyes onto a new language that can create new solutions for very new problems. And the reason why I say these are new problems, the rise of mental health, addictions, death by addictions this year. In the, in, in, um, I was reading recently, death by addictions are up this year from the quarantine and from everything going on, which doesn't make, you know, obviously it makes sense. Domestic violence, suicides are up, depression. So since all these things are up and we're really looking at, you know, 2010 to 2020, 21, when things really started to climb drastically, this is still a new issue. So it is going to take a lot of people putting their resources, their ideas together I'm, I'm happy to be the one to start the conversation, to present the language, but we need a lot more people that have their influence that can say, I heard something, let me share this with someone, and then let's go to our PTA meetings. Let's go to our, let's go to our administrators. Let's go to our school districts. Let's see what it's going to take to get this thing into our schools because I'm not saying, hey, my name is David Kozlowski and I have this curriculum that you have to buy. And my curriculum is the only one that can save the kids in your school. No, here's what I'm saying. We need a social health system. We need a system that has, like, we don't say, oh, let's just sell a math curriculum. I didn't invent social. And, you know, the people that do math curriculums didn't invent math. Math is its own thing. It's an industry. It's a system. It breeds its own teachers. It's like, so when I say we need a social health system, the curriculum is the beginning of a social health system where we can start having a new language to help us with these new problems. And the solution, like, like I've been saying over and over again, 
to all these complex problems, it's almost like, how could it be complex? It would have to be much simpler. And there's nothing simpler to look at our relationships with our human fellow human beings as being very vital and essential. For sure. For sure. So this is, I guess this is me saying to you guys, this is me calling in my favor. This is me saying, you guys, wherever you are listening from, sign up for this webinar and listen. And let's, like, it's going to take people, it's going to take some numbers to tip the scales. I think that we all want the same thing, right? We all, we know there's a problem. We don't really know what to do about it. But it doesn't do any good for us to not even start. Yeah. So um, this is a pretty big opportunity to start. And um, if we can really, if we can get some people, if we can get some numbers into this, like there's going to be some eyebrows raised saying, okay, wow. Maybe, yeah, and- maybe somebody, you know, poked a bear. And and then from there, you know, we can only speculate, but, you know, then we can start getting people together, start, you know, taking this to legislation, start, you know, because that's the whole entire point of, well, not the whole entire point, but one of the major points of this webinar is to create change in the political landscape to introduce something new like this into education. Because it's not, our, it's not that it's not needed. It's just, we got to all figure out how do we do this? We don't have 10 years to And we don't have 10 years. We don't have 10 years. Muddle through the cogs, right? We need this like vaccine fast. Yeah, exactly. We need this vaccine fast. And this, just to be clear to everybody, this is not a motivational speech from Heidi and I right now. This is like, we got to, we got to put the, we got to put the pedal to the metal. We got to get going as quickly as possible. So all your help. And thank you, Heidi, for letting everybody know that, you know, we're calling upon you guys because we are, because there's obviously strength in numbers. Every single one of us that, whether we're doing the podcast, me and Heidi, or those of you listen to the podcast, you're, you've gone through something or going through something and you know, people are going through something. And to start with our children, this next generation, I mean, our, our generation, what's, what's the saying? It's hard to teach an old dog, new tricks. Hey, you know, it's, it's harder for us, but these kids, the younger, the youth, the teens, Man, yeah, they can have some bad choices and they can get some, you know, caught up in some, you know, technological behavioral addictions. But you know what they're also good at? They're also good at making fast changes. They can change around. They have not lived a lifetime of bad decisions and regret. They can say, hey, I made a mistake and they can pivot and make a change really quickly. They can learn fast. So it's really up to the next generation. And why not start with their education? Yeah, 100%. So all right, you guys, um, that's what we're asking from you. Help us spread the word. We don't have a lot of time. This webinar is happening this coming Monday, January 11th. Um, I'm going to put a link in Light the Fight. There'll be a link in my bio. Um, and that's going to head you right over there. You can also check out the, the Orrin Hatch Foundation. Um, there will be links there as well, but please, if you know anybody, particularly in the education realm, influential in any of those organizations, please pass this information on. 
this is how we're going to make change. All right, you guys, um, thanks for listening. Thanks for showing up here again in 2021. Um, thanks for helping us to light the fight. <laughs>